What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. We are on episode two of season three of the Vintage and Stuff podcast with your host, me, Drew Heifetz. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Today on the show, I have Dennis of Zuzu Store, at Zuzu Store on Instagram. Great guy. I think he's my first European guest on the show. He lives in a small town outside of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I got to meet him when I went over there for a trip in August, September of last year. Oh, to travel again. Wasn't that glorious times being free to move around the world. But yeah, we had a great episode with Dennis. We talk about the old glory days of snapbacks. Uh, we kind of ran into each other and crossed paths back in those days. And then we talk a lot about vintage sneakers. I haven't really talked a lot about vintage sneakers with anybody on the podcast. So uh, I was stoked to chop it up with Dennis. There's lots of good info and tips about vintage sneakers. So listen to the episode. But for some news, if you listen to my last episode, I announced I will be selling my hookups collection. The whole hookups collection will be for sale July 25th on the 1980-something co- virtual flea live auction. I'm going to be releasing the collection sort of half on the live auction, half on our iOS app. So you've got to go download the F as in Frank vintage iOS app or Android app for, we got it for Android and iOS. Go download it because I will be releasing some items on there. Obviously I'm a big skateboard t-shirt collector. It's one of my fave categories to mess with. I'm a skateboarder. I grew up skateboarding through the 80s and 90s. Behind me, Alien Workshop Key right there. That I actually won from 1980-something co. on a raffle. I've been coming up on raffles, guys. I won a raffle from New York State of Mind and Rally Roots, which, by the way, Rally Roots has said he's going to come on an episode, so stay tuned for that coming up. Uh, that one I won a mosquito head, mosquito head Bob Marley, but the sleeves were cut off. But whatever, I paid ten bucks for the raffle. I won this raffle, two skate pieces off uh, Chris and nineteen eighty something co. I won a raffle with Jace for a Spider Man Marvel tee. I think there's another raffle that I won that's on the way to me right now. I can't even remember. That's like four or five raffles I've won in the last last couple months, which is crazy. Um, I just keep entering raffles. So if you have raffles, send them my way. I'll probably enter. Um, yeah. So again, the hookups collection goes live July 25th. That's this coming up Saturday, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Half of the goods are going to be live auction on 1980-something co virtual flea. Another half of the, the items will be available on our app for Android and iOS. So go download that. Okay. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Zuzu Store, Dennis. I'm in our 
no. welcome to the podcast, dude. I'm stoked to have you on the show. We tried to do this like five times and we got fucked up because we were on Skype before. Yeah. Now, because of COVID, actually, I started to have Zoom meetings and Zoom is way better, way more convenient. Fuck Skype. So welcome to the show, man. Introduce yourself. Thanks. Yeah, I'm Dennis. I'm running a one-man uh, army Zuzu store. Uh, I don't know. Came up with a name because uh, I had to find a name which wasn't taken already. Uh, I thought like uh, Zuzu was a funny, yeah. I mean, it's funny, funny name, and it sort of uh, it was like uh, also in uh, uh, penita penitentiary. Uh, I mean, the jails in the, in the states. It's Zuzu is uh, Uzi. They they use it for. Uh, oh, that's a nickname for Uzi. A, yeah, that's a nickname apparently. No way! I had no idea. I always wondered why no, it was Zuzu story. Me neither. But also, uh, nickname is also can, uh, Candy. It was also is also used for candy. So okay. I don't know. It it didn't really. Uh, uh, I I mean, I found out later. So. But the name odd, Zuzu. Odd, odd names are cool, man. F is in Frank, you know. Everyone always asks why we did that name, but yeah, that's funny, man. It's yeah. just odd. Odd shit's cool. It's rememberable. Better than like yeah. That's that's the thing, you know. It has to be like uh, Zuzu. There's no, there's not, not any anyone other that uh, has his name uh, uh, called Zuzu or the store called Zuzu. Yeah. So, uh, so you're my first. To, uh, you're my first European guest on the show. Yeah, man, I struggle a bit with uh, with the English language. I write it all the time. That's not a problem. But uh, to speak it fluently, I have to really switch because uh, I, I just don't use it that much. So uh, German, that's not a problem for me. But English, it's uh, I mean, so were you born? You were born in Germany? No, I, 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 I lived a couple of years in Germany Okay. and I worked in Germany. And uh, so that's why. But, uh, so where are you from? Holland. I'm from The Hague in Holland. Which is uh, Hague, an hour uh, from Amsterdam, right? About? Yeah, around an hour from Amsterdam. And it's near, uh, I mean, I'm li I live from five minutes from the beach. Nice. So beach life is, uh, yeah, I mean. Is there waves at this beach? I probably asked you that before. Not really, not really big waves, but there are surfers, yeah. Oh, uh, nice. And sometimes it's really good, but. Uh, good hair is like bad in hawaii like <laughs> or, i mean you know like it's it's just you have to do what with what uh mother nature gives you so yeah, um, i hear that but uh, but the beach is uh pretty awesome man i i like it there and i'm going there uh a lot with the kids uh in the summertime uh fishing i do a lot of fishing as well so uh, off, my, off, the, uh, off the beach or on boats no, on the on the I say the pier, uh, what is it called? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's just a complete, like complete. Um, I'm really switched off when I'm when I'm there. It's really switched off, like a sort of mini vacation. Yeah. Just uh, with the with the with the water and the wind and uh, beautiful uh, sightseeing everywhere. So. So we met in Amsterdam when I was there in September. You hit me up over Instagram and we were at the flea market. What was that flea market called? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, what was it called? Like uh, the Eihalle. Eihalle. Uh, it was yeah. big. It's a huge flea market. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge one. It's every month, one time. I really, 
only went there one time. I found a couple couple of things, but uh, yeah, we bought uh, a few things. I know I didn't find anything crazy cool or anything. No, um, but there was a lot of people there shopping. It was a cool vibe. It was cool just to experience that for myself and my wife and the kids, like going to flea market in another country. And then we had we had a beer or drink over at this restaurant across the road from the flea market in this old factory that was probably like a steel factory or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool vibes, but it was cool that you reached out. It was cool that you came and met me. Uh, you're probably the only person that I really met in town that trip, except for the people I was doing business with. So yeah, um, that was rad. How, how did you get into this business, man? Uh, well, just um, to get back on that uh, contact we had, like I, our paths crossed sometimes already. Yeah. I knew you were big in the business and uh, we, uh, I shipped some stuff from Europe to the States and you shipped the same stuff to Canada. So I know I knew you, you, you were the, were that guy and I always kept like, um, uh, sort of, uh, just, uh, you know, if you, if you know someone, you just, uh, or, you know, a business, you just keep an eye on them and see what they are doing and stuff like that. So when I, I heard you were coming to the to Europe or Amsterdam. I thought, hey, let's let's meet. You know, I'm always in for for meeting people uh, who has who have likewise. Uh, yeah, like my, like-minded interest. people who are into the like-minded same minded people. Yeah, with the same interest. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Uh, that's so cool. that was back to to elaborate on that a bit. That was back in the early snapback days, right? So we crossed yeah, paths. Yeah. What, what year was that? You remember? Whoa, man. Uh, the snapback hype, it, it was like around 2012 or something. Yeah. Around that time. Yeah, 2010, I think, is when we launched our website. And we were buying snapbacks heavy until like 2015, probably. It was crazy. crazy. I think, uh, like for me, snapbacks are always my sort of uh, first love together with sneakers I, I like vintage sneakers vintage running sneakers yeah i want to talk uh, about that we'll get into that in, in a minute yeah, yeah, the scene there is very different than yeah. american scene and i want to hear uh, man, yeah that's, that's that's crazy yeah let's talk about the snapback for a bit so you it was obviously a dig that we both found we never actually went there we just got contacted and shipped a bunch of stuff did you actually go there yeah i actually went there and the guy had like 100,000 heads or something. It was like immense. It was really crazy. I went there with, with, uh, with my dad, actually. Uh, I, I just really started. So uh, for me, it was all like, okay, uh, yeah, in my, I mean, I took with me like 10K or something. Uh, and I mean, it was sort of a, a heavy introduction to the bulk uh, wholesale thing world you know yeah so <laughs> like you were so, you were so obviously many... selling at the time right before you went there yeah yeah i i was i was before you went there i i was already busy for a couple mu- a couple months and i sh- i shipped uh, loads of the hats uh to the to la and basically um they went to uh for all to envy and yeah. those those guys uh, and still Kirk, uh, yeah. um, 
these guys were pushing them in LA. So um, Wiz Khalifa was was wearing the hat on his uh, in the set, uh, album cover. Um, Chris Brown was wearing one of the hats he bought, also got from from them, and they came came from. That was the, was the Chris Brown one. Was it a leather hat that he was wearing? On that no, uh, Chris Brown, you wore like a, a university uh, American Needle block hat. Universe, I, I, I can't remember what with the brown and the, I think the P or something. I don't know what Purdue or I don't know. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't remember, but um, which Kaliba was wearing the Blackhawks. That was amazing one with the uh, with the big uh, logo and uh, with the, like a brownish or greenish hat. Yeah. So this place that we found, I don't, it's actually funny because I don't really know much about it because Jesse was dealing with most of this at that point, at least this dig. This would have been a guy who was importing hats in the 90s, early, probably 80s and 90s to sell to sports stores all over Europe, right? And he was yeah. specializing in American sports or did he, did he do European sports too? Uh, no, he was really specializing in American sports. And... Um, he had, he had, at the time, he had a lot of stuff I wasn't interested in as well. He had like the Mitchell and Ness stuff as well, loads of them. Uh, yeah. But yeah. at that time, uh, the big money was to be, to be made with American Needle hats. So I basically like uh, was a hub between uh, my, yeah, I mean, our source and LA. So every time I shipped like, uh, yeah, the boxes full of hats to LA and just I was just a middle middleman, but at that time. So you weren't selling them on your own in Europe. No, well, basically, um, in the end, I, I did I did sell some, but when I when I knew what I know now, uh, I would have done it differently because I was selling them to 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 him uh, only, and I would never do that again because uh, at that time the American needles were blockheads were going for like one fifty. One, one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pause, one second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get the Lizzie one. Okay, sorry, back on. So I was already, I was, I was really, I was just really happy to have this uh, hookup. Uh, I could really easily sell them and and make good money uh, out of it. But when I, I'm now, I mean, uh, fast forward eight years, I would have done it differently because those uh, Kings blockheads were like fetching 150, 200 US dollars yeah. each. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I would, lead, I would, I would uh, sell them. Pro probably a lot more now, to be honest. There's kind of been a resurge in the snapback. Game. You posted a, a, about a month ago a bunch of snapbacks you had, just your personal collection, right? Did you sell those? I sell. I sold them really good. Yeah. yeah. I was actually I was really surprised because uh, uh, I was just digging up old stuff on on the uh, I had like in boxes. And I saw all these hats and I was like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, still I have those uh, hats, you know. Uh, let's make a small video. And so I make, made, a, made a small video for former friends in, 
WhatsApp group I have with some older older guys. And one of the guys, he said, like, yeah, you should, you should just post them because uh, I think people will look for them. I already had this idea just to post them, but he really, like, uh, got me going to, to do it much faster. So I made an Instagram TV video. Uh, I believe it was the first, first one I <laughs> ever made. But, uh, yeah, immediately people were, like, I mean, people were, like, going crazy for the, for the hats. And I was pretty surprised because after the 2012, 2010, 2012, 13, 14 hype, it went just dead. You know, yeah. the hats were like, it wasn't, you know, it was just that and nobody even asked for hats. But uh, yeah, I think now it will be, uh, I mean, it will be, uh, it's more asked. Uh, yeah, it, it's coming back. It's coming you know back. what I find because our site has been up the whole time, right? So we always had a lot of people hitting our website for snapbacks, even after we had nothing good left. They were still coming to the site and emailing us saying, do you have this, do you have that? It's really annoying because you get so many emails saying like, can I get uh, shark tooth splash, sports specialty scripts, all yeah. NBA, and you're like, no, I, I don't have that. Who has that, you know? Yeah. Um, but now it, the Philippines and Thailand and all these countries, Malaysia, they're emailing asking for hats. There's this huge uh, resurgence over there of people collecting them. Just like, you know, 3D emblems go to Thailand. It's like all these six snapbacks now are going to Philippines and Malaysia. Yeah, it's crazy. Huh? I think the scene there is, is also is, is crazy. I think it's, for me, it's really, um, I'm always surprised. Uh, because I have some sort of, uh, I live in Europe, right? And and the Asia, the Asia I saw, it was never really um, dealing with such hats uh, or, or clothing or whatever stuff. But the scene is really big out there, especially in Malaysia, I, I believe. In Thailand, it's, it's crazy over there. Yeah. And it, so, it's growing uh, too in China. There's vintage stores now in China where yeah, I remember when, when I started and probably when you started, there was definitely none. Japan has always been on it since the 90s, but yeah. China was not on it at all. And now all no. of a sudden they want American used clothing because they get it and they understand like that. Yeah, that is quality and stuff like that. But exactly. yeah, I, was in, I was in Indonesia in 2012, 2009. I haven't seen any vintage there. And I, I really wasn't really looking for it as well, to be, to be honest, but like it was not that... Um, yeah, I mean, it was also not thrown in my face. It was more like tourist spots and stuff like that. And uh, like original uh, uh, prints from, uh, Batik prints from, from, from yeah, from, uh, from Indonesia. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. I went, I went there maybe five years ago, four years ago. I saw very little vintage in Bali, but I was only in Bali. But I know in Jakarta, they kind of have a scene now, like a sneaker scene, yeah. a hype yeah. scene. So yeah, I know. Man. I international. Have, I have family. I have, I have a lot of. I have family in Jakarta, a lot of family actually. Oh really? So I have really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always was like uh, had plans to to revisit Jakarta and to see what I could set up with uh, with family because when you're a family of there, it's it's much easier. You know, I have a lot of nephews and stuff like that, but never really took the time to and with the Corona, you know, the virus and. 
Yeah, no, we're not going. We're not going to Bali anytime soon. Nothing really, nothing really going on right now. Um, uh, I imagine Jakarta has a similar scene to Thailand, where they're getting American bales in and they're sorting it and they're selling it in the markets, and then there's people who are interested in the better shit and they're pulling it out. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who, I mean, in 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 Thailand or in in Indonesia, uh, I know about Indonesia a bit a little bit. There are a lot of people with no money or not much money, but there are also in Jakarta, there are many people who are really, really rich. So uh, yeah, uh, if they want to get stuff in, they can get stuff in because they can really pay up, you know? So yeah. uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right with the, with the US bundles, they just uh, buy and uh, bought it over there and sell it over there. I, uh, so now you, you sell all grades of vintage, right? And you have for a while. Yeah, I, I started with hats. Uh, it 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 kind of went dead, and then uh, I just uh, everything I got le- I had left I put it in boxes. So uh, just recently discovered again. <laughs> nice. Uh, so and then I then I went with uh, with uh, Matt with trainers. So vintage uh, trainers. That's that was always my my thing. I was one of the I think one of the first guys in Europe uh, really, uh, do, uh, yeah, really got onto trainers, selling fitness trainers here. So, in, in your in your own words, what do you consider trainers? Well, um, just vintage sneakers, you know. And in Europe, we are uh, we like uh, running shoes, so not so, not so much the basketball shoes. I mean, there are of course people who like them, but most of the people really are uh, yeah, enthusiasts uh, about uh, enthusiastic about running shoes so basically i was buying running shoes from the states um and selling them here in uh, in europe um so you were able to do that and you're able to ship over these shoes and still make good profits and how are you how are you sourcing well I mean, I always just uh, went online, ask around a lot, just uh, hook up with people online. And I mean, yeah, you have to be lucky a bit, but uh, from the next, from one deal, you fall into the next one. Uh, I have a couple of guys. I really, I really work with them a lot of years already. And I trust the guys and, uh, and they always know they, I pay, I pay. And, uh, uh, well, with, uh, they are a little bit more known now with Instagram, but, uh, in the beginning it was, um, really like sort of, uh, yeah, underground. I mean, n- nobody really knew where stuff was coming from, but with Instagram, it's changed a lot because when you're a little bit clever or source resourceful, you just, uh, yeah, you can find out. You figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not. I'm not really a sneakerhead. I never have been. I kind of. I understand it because I'm in the vintage business, and it's similar, and it's. It kind of coincides with that now. When I look at sneakers, like we don't call them trainers typically. People call yeah, them like, me, me sneakers or kicks or whatever. Um, but. You know, there's probably at any given time, from what I've gathered in America and Canada and most of the world, there's like 20 pairs that are like hitting at the time, you know, and these are like the new hype sneakers and the sneaker business is going crazy. Like shoes, 
those those Dior Jordans now went like I think the price was twenty grand after they released or something. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, do you dabble in the new stuff? And do people in Europe vibe on the same shit that Round Two is selling, or is it totally different kind of genre of sneakers? Uh, well, I, I, to be honest, I always was I'm always surprised to see um, U.S. sellers selling everything vintage except the kicks. Because I see like stores like selling t-shirts and everything and they sell the hype kicks. I mean, nothing wrong with the hype stuff, but there's so much original sneakers to be found, which are really great to be and can be worn as well. And that always surprised me that, uh, that none of the US guys or US sellers really uh, yeah, were offering any any vintage kicks, only the hype, uh, hype stuff. But um, I think the, well, the, the yeah, the, the hype stuff. Well, it's it's in in Europe, it's the same. I mean, uh, yeah, of course, the stuff around to around to sells. Uh, it's in Europe, is uh, they like it as well. But yeah. uh, uh, I think America is more like basketball minded still. And yeah. Europe is more like uh, running minded, and that's that will always always be the be the case. So I found we got that Nike score. It was like mediocre Nike hit. You saw it. I posted that yeah, video yeah. a while ago. Yeah. They're all size twelve and thirteen, which was annoying. <laughs> yeah. And you know, over the years, we we always would buy sneakers. If we went to a dig and we found sneakers, we were going to buy them, even if they were super old. And there's a point yeah. with sneakers. You know, people in the vintage business mostly know this, but after a certain date, if they have foam soles, they're pretty much going to crumble. Yeah. So it always, it's just, it's such an annoying thing for me personally to deal with because I have boxes in my warehouse right here of old sneakers. The soles are just gone, man. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you. I get some, some of them are valuable just for collectors, but most of them, None. they were me mediocre to begin with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, uh, PU, like polyurethane, polyurethane is just it just vanishes after like 10 years it's, it goes downhill and uh yeah i mean some 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 pairs are are uh yeah still um still wanted by collectors but yeah many mediocre pairs are just left behind and if you ask 20 euro it's much you know or 20 dollar or whatever but yeah. uh with with the Vintage sneakers. I I I also made like many mistakes with buying stuff. It was just not wearable. It just took me. It took me some time, you know. And now well, how do you I know, know now. So you basically, yeah. if, it, if it has a yeah. polyurethane foam sole, more than ten years old, chances are it's going to crumble. Yeah. Well, basically, yes. Okay. And you have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's you a have good to rule to know, you know, if you're buying sneakers. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, polyurethane is just something that's always risky. And some pairs are just like 50-50 uh, now. For example, the also like uh, not even polyurethane pairs, but um, for example, the Air Max pairs from uh, early 2000 is just, uh, they're... 50-50 chance they're wearable or not. So. Is that because the soles were made differently, better quality or something? Um, I mean, the Nike just says, uh, like, we, you have a 10-year shoes made for 10 years or something. It was, like, on the written. 
like yeah. uh, guarantee long overdue about on, on, uh, when it's over 10 years. So when you basically like have an Air Max from, from 2002, 2003, the Chile or uh, oh, man, uh, don't even know any more the names, but uh, Shimashima and many of the other older wanted Air Max, Air Max 1s or Air Max 90s. Yeah, that's basically like um, right now it's sort of uh, it's sketchy, you know? Yeah, yeah it really So I if mean, you're going to wear them, you got to flex hard at the club for one night because you might be going home with no souls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no, that's true. So, and it's also funny to see like how the whole market then develops because um, it always was really high price, people were willing to pay. And then you hear online, you hear the stories like, oh, it crumbles. So, people know someone who had a pair which crumbled. So, and then they are people are hesitant to buy them for the same amounts they used to because, yeah, basically they cannot wear them. So you see the price going a little bit down, you know? So yeah. and, uh, I have a question about that. It's similar to dry rot, right? Like on black t-shirts, yeah. dry rot is when um, yeah, after a certain amount of time, if it sits, I'm just going to say it for the listeners if they don't know yeah. what dry rot is, but it's like, okay. yeah. yeah, it's like, um, it's I'm pretty I've I've researched it and it's like a high as it's something about the black dye and it's high level of acid that eats away the cotton over time so it like disintegrates the cotton fiber so the shit just rips apart and I mean it's the same similar phenomenon with the soles and my question is okay if they're dead stock obviously older than ten years you might not be able to wear them if they were worn for ten years straight is the chances better of them lasting. Yeah, for sure. I, I, and, and I, I even had like a, a Pegasus pair, which has, uh, which had P, PU and I decided to, to wear them. So polyurethane sole and I decided to wear them and, and, and I wore them for a couple of years before they broke down. So and Pegasus is 20 years old at least, right? Like, uh, yeah, it was the 1989 or 1990 pair. I believe, yeah. yeah so it's like so, 30 years old. Yeah, and I, but it when I wore them when I wore them it was like um, I think 10 uh, like yes 10 years back or something. Still, yeah, still yeah. Old so too, still, yeah. still, 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 still really old, like still 20 years old. Uh, and that's partly why like, I mean, when you look at sneakers now, and Jordan ones are still fucking sought after, like so collectible. People are yeah, still buying they them. Are wearable. They're wearable because they yeah, didn't have any PU. Yeah. yeah. And uh, no, the Jordan, the Jordan three also had no PU, right? Uh, I really. That's the, that's the cement print one. So I'm pretty sure Jordan three had no no no. Yeah, no. but this, but uh, I think the Jordan, I I, I think it. Uh, oh, it does have some. I'm it not has sure like about. Upper. Yeah. I'm not sure, but sometimes the soles are also like uh, they contain different sort of sorts of material. Um, and I don't really have the um, names, English names in my head, but um, you don't, you don't, sometimes you don't really see what actually the sole is made of. Yeah. And sometimes so the glues like, can, can stop working. So the sole just falls off too, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Then you can re-glue it, but um, there are like different, the sole is built out, built out of different types of uh, material, basically. Yeah. And it's just some some materials are just I mean they go over not they go just they vanish just yeah. like the airspun for example the airspun uh, the one 
it has um, it has like a cage uh, or sort of the air bubble inside. It's just yeah. If if you now take it in your hand, it just falls apart. And you and when you wear it, it's just it breaks, you know. So you have to fill it up to wear to wear the shoe. And it's all it's all okay to do it, but it's you know it's 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 kind of yeah. sketchy. You really have to. You have to really know what you're doing with vintage shoes, and that's all. Also, the downside of selling vintage shoes because when you sell vintage shoes, people expect they buy a pair just like they bought in store right now. But it's not. That's not. That's not no. the case. Right? And you have to sell it saying you might not be able to wear it. Well, yeah, it's it's wearable on on your own. Uh, how do you say? Uh, at your own discretion, right? Your own, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. give them the warning. It's your own choice, you know, it's a warning, but. Do you think that sneakers made today, do you think, you know, Sean Witherspoon's, uh, Yeezy's, like, you know, all these Virgil Abloh shoes, do you think in 10 years they'll be wearable or do you think they're going to be the same and disintegrate? Well, 10 years is like really, I, I said 10 years, but uh, normally in 10 years it's still wearable. But uh, yeah, if you talk about uh, 15, 20 years, that's another that's another story. Uh, I I I think in like the, for for example, the the water spoons are just uh, in in 15 years you will see the same problems with uh, with with them. Because they haven't uh, changed the polyurethane; it's still the same. No, I, 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 I I don't know. I don't know if the if the Air Max is uh, polyurethane, to be honest, because I'm not really Air Max guy, so I really not, never, uh, never really uh, dove in. Uh, uh, I say, check the yeah the research, Air Max, uh, yeah research Air Max one, but um, I know the the 2000 early 2000 models are not wearable right now. So you're then you are like talking about like 18 years or. It's very interesting. This is an interesting subject to me. Because I'm not a sneakerhead, and it has I wondered this for a while. And you look at like there's timeless shoes like Converse. They've never changed the Converse. It's like the same from like the '70s, right? And even the set you can get a '70s pair, and they're fully wearable now. Like an old pair yeah, of work that's, boots. That's the, like the, the sole. The sole is like it's 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 the same with fans, you know. Uh, yeah. If you, I mean, the, there's a guy in London who's really big in fans, and I mean, he sells the vintage fans. It's always uh, Pillow Heat. It's called the guy's called. And uh, vintage fans are just perfectly wearable. Yeah, uh, that's that's cool. You know, the waffle sole is just uh, crazy. It's just the simplicity crazy. of it, right? Yeah, it's simplicity. But but the fun the fun thing is like the whole shoe is is really made really really good. You know, you see the craftsmanship put yeah. in those pairs in these days, and you see if you compare it to the recent. Uh, pairs okay you have some exceptions of course but uh, Nike is, is not really doing a crazy good job on on bringing back retro high quality pairs it's, it's, it's all made in China it has to be like as cheap as possible to make as much money as possible and you just see the you just see it you know when we're looking at a pair I just shipped back some ACG sandals because I mean when I had them in hand, I were like, I mean, I was not not impressed. It was, no, it was. Oh, crazy. you got new ones and you shipped them back. Yeah, yeah, I just uh, bought some new uh, oh, sandals. Crazy. The the the, the, the shoot, you know, the D shoots. Yeah, yeah, uh, those are sandals. red though. Yeah, those are really red, but um, the I I saw like the glue on them, and it, it, it's just I don't know, it was yeah. not. And when you when you have a D shoots OG 
next to this one, you know, you see the, you see so so much difference between quality, and that's the whole thing. Like, uh, yeah, like that's it. why, you know, vintage is popular for a big part of it, and it's why made in America was popular yeah, because the made in America stuff, yeah, made in smaller factories. It was like real real good craftsmanship, and to tell vans and converse if they're vintage is basically that's the easiest thing is if they're made in america i don't do you know the dates like when converse and vans stopped making in america no yeah i would imagine we're talking like mid 80s or late 80s so you probably and vans i think started in 60 68 or 60 something their mm -hmm. own company converse no. was around since the 40s the dates dates is something in vintage i really uh, it's it's really hard to find out as well uh, to do your research it's not like you google and you have the answer you know it's 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 yeah you have to to dig deep and ask people other people who you can think you can trust and and then you you can make sort of story but it's not like the information you're looking for is not always available online yeah uh, yeah, totally. which is part of the business, you know. It's cool yeah. part of the business because yeah, it makes like it more it, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's good to discuss stuff like that, and you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have like-minded people discussing the same interest, and I mean, yeah, it's it's fun. It's sad that now, if you look, say you look forward thirty years, because we're all everything's online now. You can probably Google back in thirty years, and you'll be able <coughs> to figure out everything that's happening now. But because <coughs> the internet only started in the nineties, really mm -hmm. not, none of this shit was put online and these companies didn't keep archives. You know, like if you start a company for the first 15 years, you're probably not going to keep an archive because you probably don't even think you're going to last that long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I also shipped a lot of stuff to, to companies, back to companies. I mean, I sold like recently, uh, 60 pairs back to Essex. Nice. <laughs> and it was like, it was like old stock from Essex. Shipping back to Essex. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, you know, but it was for the new headquarters in, uh, in, um, in Hofdorp. And they wanted to have a, they have like a entrance and they put in the entrance, they put in all the, the shoes models from the, from the past. Yeah, so like under glass, nicely displayed. Yeah, basically I, I sourced like 60 pairs, around 60 pairs. And they have like 100 pairs there, I think, around that around that amount so a lot of pairs you see there it's coming from the stock i found and but it's just funny if you think about it like company they they uh, sell sneakers to 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 a to a small business and then they don't have the archive or or yeah, the shoes left anymore and i find them and i buy sell them back to them for the retail yeah. price <laughs> it's just We've sold yeah, a lot funny. of we've sold a lot of polo back to polo for their their archive. Yeah, you Not had like a crazy hole. Yeah. You well, like, we we've yeah. had we've been getting polo. Yeah, we've had that polo haul that I did years back. It's funny that one with all the polo sport. Yeah. That one was crazy. awesome, and it was local in Vancouver because we haven't had too many local scores in our own city. That guy called me recently and i went back and cleared it out because i left all the mid-grade on that dig the first go because you know what for when you first see someone they always want the top dollar and then eventually once you cream it 
they're like, shit, I'm stuck with the junk. I'll give it to you for nothing. So I went back this week and I got the rest of that polo, but it's pretty mid-grade. Yeah, man. I, but I, I know that whole because, so that's why I always followed you, uh, you guys, because I always liked the, the stuff you did. Like, uh, from in my idea, many really new vintage sellers popped up uh, couple last couple of years it it's it became pretty pretty hype yeah but um yeah man i i remember that hole you had with with polo and i was like damn that's a that's a that's a crazy one like yeah like really like really psyched you know like yeah that's a sh that's a crazy one like whoa cool because that's the feeling dude you know what you know the feeling because you've been there like going into that warehouse with snapbacks you're like you're like dollar signs and you're like this is crazy like like really yeah and it, yeah, it gives was, you a rush right it's like a drug yeah i think I, that's the I, I think the best thing about uh the thing i like the most about vintage or a lot about uh, is this just discovering the, the, the stuff like unearthing the the dead stock stuff which has been in boxes for like 20 years or something that's the thing i really love and the the best thing about vintage yeah to bring back that that stuff and that people they say like yeah shit man i had that that one when i was younger it's and it's this it's all mint condition now and you know like it's what's made yesterday or something it's yeah. it's just really crazy it's you know? it's we're we're fashion archaeologists man digging it sort up of, yeah well i mean many uh, designers are just uh, copying older designs i mean yeah. if you see the if you see like um uh virgil ablo he had like this louis vuitton pair out and this pair was uh it was basically like sort of avia uh, avia high top uh, yeah copy. and didn't didn't it have he did a Louis shoe that looked like the D3, Osiris. You know the Osiris. Yeah, that's those. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, that that. Yeah. So it had those 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 lace loops like uh, like waves almost, and it was very similar. And it, it had like such a chunky skate shoe vibe. And yeah, um, yeah, it's all it's all referenced on something vintage, man. It's hard. Yeah, to but see sometimes it's really too much because I mean the Louis Vuitton it was like basically a straight copy. But like really straight copy. I think um, I, I, uh, Mr. F F uh, Figus, I, uh, F Vegas, uh, I, I Ronnie Feig? No, uh, there was a vintage uh, vintage guy like uh, online. Uh, I follow as well. Uh, he's uh, the kicks professor. It's called. Let me see. Mr. F oh, oh. Let me see if I can find him. Yeah, Cali Figus. Califigus, this American guy actually, and he really he posted up the the, the um, Avias, so he basically like showed everybody it was just a one-on-one -on -one rip off. <laughs> yeah, and then and then every everyone went nuts. But that guy has a really great uh, collection, like the, the um, less known known stuff like the Etonics uh, Avias. Uh, everybody's like collecting the Nikes, but he's also he's collecting like the, the more unknown, unknown uh, ish. So if you really like vintage sneakers, you also like that stuff. Uh, that's pretty rare, you know. Yeah. So tell us a couple of your better 
finds for sneakers and better like better come ups and in, in value. Like, what's the most expensive sneaker you sold? Uh, well, um, sold like I don't. I'm not. Uh, I like seven, seven, six hundred euro Devlins. Okay. Uh, before, yeah, it was uh, sort of a hype. Um, no, you see, it was. At that time, it was the hype was on vintage sneakers, sneakers like late '80s, early '90s, and uh, everybody wanted to have those pairs. So the Icarus and uh, the Airspun and stuff like that. Now nowadays, it's more like um, early, early 2000s, late late '90s stuff. But everybody's after. So you see, like, like the shifting. Uh, yeah. So the I, I see Dunks being super, not Dunks, SBs. Well, SB dunks, right? Not need to see your music, Finder. Sorry. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you on that wave of, of old SB dunks? No, man. I, I had some SB dunks. I sold them to a friend of mine. They were too big. Uh, I really, uh, I mean, I'm not wave. Uh, yeah, of course. When I find some, uh, I'm, 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 I'm on every wave, but uh, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not easy, you know. And yeah. I re really never was uh, too much of a super fan of SB or something. I mean, not not in not in the not in the to speak about uh, collecting yeah. or something. Yeah. So Europe is different. There's a lot of differences, obviously, fashion-wise, um, cultural culturally. Um, Nike is from the U.S., right? Yeah. And Adidas is from Germany. So can you speak about like the difference in public opinion on the, on Nike and Adidas in Europe? Ooh, uh, yeah, I mean, I find it really hard to, to speak for others, but, uh, I know also I, I, a couple of good friends of mine, they're really big Adidas collectors. Uh, Adidas is really big in UK and in, and in Germany. Uh, and the guys I know, uh, pretty well uh, is, uh, for example, the the owner of uh, Overkill Shop in Germany, Berlin, and he has also a great uh, Adidas collection. Um, and um, in, in Adidas is, uh, yeah, if you if you have the if you are Adidas collector, you 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 chances are high you you're not a Nike collector. <laughs> yeah. So they're basically like two teams, you know, like yeah. There's not not NN is always or Nike or Adidas is And what about the new the new genre of kids buying sneakers? Do you think more people in Europe buy Nike or buy Adidas now from the stores? No, man, in Europe it's all about Nike. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean men, mostly it's all about most most of them are always uh, yeah Nike will always be number one, but I think Adidas is really doing a better job, a much better job, in uh, bring those original sneaker hats or collectors in uh, into their uh, products and into their whole marketing uh, ideas and. Um, yeah, you see, like the, the Berlin has a really big um, Adidas uh, enthusiastic uh, public. Uh, I say, scene Adidas scene, oh, yeah. and there are many many uh, many collectors out there. 
and you see like Adidas is doing a lot of a lot of stuff with them they really do a lot of uh, exhibitions and uh, they uh, when they make a retro from from an original shoe they really do a really crazy good job uh, and Nike is just lacking in that aspect in my opinion they're yeah. not doing half the good as good as job as Adidas so uh, basically everything from everything Adidas is doing better than Nike, but Nike is still Nike. You know, I think that's all. That's also the, the the bad thing about Nike. They 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 got pretty lazy because everybody just buys Nike. It's not. I mean, if they bring out bring out a brick as as Supreme did, they, they buy they all yeah they buy it. You know. Yeah, it's, but I do think. What was it? Five years ago, six years ago? I don't know the exact year, but. Adidas brought out the boost sole. That was their new thing, right? And yeah. that really gave Nike a run for their money because boost became really popular. And then right after boost came out, they dropped Yeezy. Yeezy went from Nike to Adidas. So there, there's been a couple years where Adidas, at least in America, seems to have been catching up, but then yeah. they kind of like, then Nike was like, no, we ain't having it. And then they started to go hard again on Jordans and like, Air Maxes again and putting doing it. They had the yeah. flyknit. Yeah. Flyknit was pretty much taking over that uh, after the boost. But and yeah. Then, and then it was I just like collab, 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 and Nike's that's back the on thing. top. I think like or for I mean, we basically have to see things different. Like you have the whole sneaker scene, which is a really small um, amount of people who are interested in uh, vintage sneakers or original models and stuff like that, or hype shoes. Uh, I mean, 99% of the people really don't care about that whole uh, aspect we, we, we care about. So the numbers are always in the favor, always in favor of Nike, but you're right about the thing about with the boost. Uh, so there was a time that Adidas really was catching up and we're doing a great job, but uh, yeah, I've, in the end, uh, yeah, Nike is just uh, you know taking uh, taking up the how you say the gloves and uh, making yeah. new stuff. Yeah, getting That's back the, in the ring. Yeah, came back in the ring and uh, just marketing marketing the stuff really good and people just I think just uh, yeah just uh, if if Nike, Nike decides what what's the next hype they they make sure it will be the next hype just by putting the marketing yeah. right at you. And most from, of the people- From the numbers, the, they're saying the sneaker business is gonna keep growing. Obviously these were pre-COVID projections, but I don't know, have you been watching the markets? Have the markets dropped much since COVID on sneaker prices or no? Uh, there was a, in, in the beginning of COVID, uh, you, you saw people were anxious to buy stuff. And you saw sort of decline, decline in, in, in prices, also on StockX, I, 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 if I remember correctly. Uh, but after a while, things were getting back to normal and you see the prices uh, getting higher again. So I think it's pretty much, uh, yeah, it's basic. I think it's pretty much back to normal. And also the thing about online, I mean, online grew crazy yeah. because of just, uh, uh, people were just um, buying online yeah they're sitting at home happy. on lockdown yeah. online yeah. shopping online shopping yeah it was good for me good for it's you good. as well <laughs> yeah, <it was> good. 
it was great. Can't complain about that. <laughs> crazy. Um, okay. Well, yeah, speaking man. about that, so we haven't really talked about COVID at all. I don't want to touch on it too much. But how yeah. is how is Holland doing? Is everything open now? Are you like kind of people wearing masks? Is it back to normal? What's going on there? Uh, restaurants are. Uh, uh, there was a, there was a time all restaurants were closed, but now they are open again. But they have to like you have to keep the distance. Yeah. One and a half meter. Uh, only the, everything is open except uh, the clubs. So um, yeah, I mean that's obviously really bad for people in the entertainment industry and and yeah, they run. Have you been uh, into Amsterdam lately? Have you been in the city? Yeah, it's really quiet. It is really quiet. Like, no yeah, tourists because Amsterdam is big on tourism, eh? Yeah, I mean it's just tourism. It's tourism. I mean, if you're like in Amsterdam, it's it's crazy. It's it's you you hear every language you can even imagine. It's crazy over there. But now it's really really quiet, and people you don't people were are paying like six k ten k rent a month. In some streets. Oh, for their businesses. Yeah, I mean, and then you have a small 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 uh, business, you know, and you pay like six or ten grand a month for. Uh, small space but if you i mean if you run on, on tourists and they come every day that's that's fine but if it's if it stops you you still have your have you have to pay your rent so yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah um i went to that event you told me to go to at pada that yeah. there was a sneaker pop-up right uh your homeboy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah from the from uh, magdi yeah it's uh magdi hernandez is it's, it's, it's UK guy, yeah. What's his name? So, what's his Instagram? Uh, Magdi. Magdi. It's called. He's, he's called Magdi. M E J G M E M A G D Y I. Okay. Yeah, cool guy. I went too late. I probably missed a lot of good stuff, but there was some cool pairs for sure, and it was cool to see. He had he had some good pieces. Um, I didn't do too much shopping in Amsterdam. Basically, hung out with the family. But I did want to ask you. This is kind of a question that comes up with people that don't know. I mean, obviously, I grew up smoking dope. I don't smoke dope anymore. Smoking dope is a huge Canadian. I mean, it's big everywhere. Fuck, you know, it's a worldwide thing. Everyone smokes dope when they're, well, now it's legal in Canada and it's like legal in probably half of America now. So it's, the times have changed. But growing up, it was illegal. It was illegal in North America, 100%. And Amsterdam was the holy land, right? Holland in general, I guess, but mostly Amsterdam. You hear, you heard about it. And you always would hear, you could go into a cafe, you could smoke dope inside. You know, it's crazy. Like those, just hearing these stories. But the truth of the matter is, it's not even really legal there. Can you like explain how that all works? And also about the mushrooms. There's like some weird loophole. You can buy mushrooms, but you can only buy the root. But yeah, uh, it's you. It's even for our for we. Uh, uh, for uh, us as Dutchies, it's really kind of confusing because uh, uh, okay, basically you have like coffee shops here all all around, like uh, everywhere, and uh, you can smoke it and you can smoke outside, and then nothing gonna happen. No police officer is gonna gonna say anything to you, but um, it's not legal because um, they don't want to legalize the um, the growing so the growing of marijuana is is still illegal but it's it's really strange because you have the coffee shops 
they are having a legal business uh, of selling marijuana. It's uh, that's all that's all fine, but they have to get the stuff somewhere, right? So there have to be guys who provide the stuff and who make the stuff or grow the grow the marijuana, and that's still illegal. So uh, it's really hard to understand. You know, it's are uh, they actively arresting the people? Yeah, growing? yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. how it has to be still underground how the weed gets from the grower to the shop. Yeah, I actually I've uh, I know some some people who who grow the stuff. Uh, yeah, that's still that's still illegal. So that's still I mean, and as long as it's, it's illegal, there's huge money to be made. So the, the yeah. Stuff so how illegal are we talking? Are you gonna get thrown in jail for ten years? Or fines uh, not, or what? Not ten, yeah, fines. I mean, yeah, of course you can go to jail. Yeah, if you like uh, growing a crazy amount of stuff, you can you can go to jail. That's sure. But people just take the take the take their chances. You know, if if yeah. you do it, if you do it, let let me put it this way: if you're a clever guy, you really don't get caught. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the well, name I don't of the game. I don't go into details, but it's it's just. Uh, it's something. It's 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 something. It's not really uh, rocket science, you know. But still, no, you have to course. work it out. It's very interesting to me because, like you said, you, it's the cops. The cops basically turn a blind eye to it. They allow it to happen. It's known all over the world that you can do it. So most people all over the world think that it's legal, but it's not. It's still illegal. It's, yeah, they just it's let it happen. It's not really legal, but uh, you can smoke on the street or everywhere. It's not a not a problem. Yeah. So basically, it's it's called in Holland. It's called like gedoogbeleid. And I don't know the English word for it. I don't even know if there's an English word for it. But it's it's just says like this. This is uh, we see it uh, like this. We do like this, and you can do it. But uh, we see it, but we don't do anything. Uh, but if you are providing the hashish or the marijuana, you have to watch out because they will catch you. Okay, so and then every, how, how many yeah. drugs does this trickle down to? Because I know it goes, it trickles down to the mushrooms because you can buy the mushrooms in those same stores, right? Uh, mushrooms, they, they have like different stores for that. It's called, okay. uh, what's it, what's it? I mean, what's, I, I can't remember. I, I forgot the names, but you have different stores with mushrooms. But uh, I'm not too much into mushrooms, but I know there are... Uh, they could they they were sold like uh, as well, but yeah. I think the regulation is is, uh, is it became harsher on mushrooms now. Oh really? Than it than it was ten years ago. Yeah. Well, me and my wife we got some and we drove the bikes all around town. <laughs> it was fun. We just ate a little bit. Drive drive driving through yeah, the red light shops. district. It's called smart shops. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, they they buy they sell at smart shops. I never really was a huge fan of uh, pados. It's called pados here, yeah, but uh, mushrooms. But um, yeah, people I know people who really go uh, go with that flow. Really, uh, LSD. It's, in and stuff it's like interesting, that. man. It's interesting. Um, <laughs> okay, dude. Is there anything else you want to get into? I think we're gonna cut it here. We've been on for an hour. Uh, well, you. Oh, yo! To... Actually, no. I have two more things. Oh. Sorry, we totally forgot. We have show and tell. Um, yeah. So let's see what you got, dude. Well, I had 
this this is my favorite tea for like years already it was like it has the fruit of the loom tag I, before i even knew it was was a thing it wasn't a thing back then when i got this tea it, it's from an old uh, surf shop local surf shop that closed down and this is sort of a tie-dye i don't know what's it it looks exactly. like a marbly tie-dye yeah, print. Really cool like, print, yeah, it's man. really cool print. And basically, uh, I got two of these uh, tees, and I wear, I wear them every week once, for at, at least every week. Well, that fruit of the, isn't it funny how the tag culture has gotten so popular, and people, like, almost there's more love for certain tags than there is the T-shirt itself now. Yeah, I, I think the whole T-shirt uh, game is... Uh, crazy man i i i mean i play my part i'm a small part but there's good money to be made uh, from t-shirts i just recently uh, found the mosquito head and uh yeah i mean i'm not complaining you know I'm, yeah I'm taking, no, it's, I'm i think it's cool it. I think and, it's and cool. those t-shirts the fruit of the loom tag they fit well i know they're like that's that's basically like uh what i'm Looking when I'm looking right now, uh, I prefer this tag because uh, I'm a pretty tall guy, you know, I'm 6'3. Yeah. And uh, the fruit of the loom, this exact, uh, especially this tag, is, is really the XL's fitting, fits pretty long normally. It's longer fit, it's longer fit, yeah, yeah. and that's what I'm looking for, you know. Yeah, I think so, I'm wearing, I don't know, Haynes Beefy, Haynes yeah, Beefy. so. I, I, this is my favorite fit, but it, the, the Hanes beefy is a little bit boxier. Boxier. Yeah. It's boxier. And, yeah. uh, I just like the weight, the fruit of the loom tag. It's a little heavier weight, I think, but yeah, you're right. Longer fit. Yeah. For me, it's, it's important because I always had problems with, with, with fits, uh, just lengths of my tee. I mean, I, I need to have like 31 inches at least. And, uh, most of the tees are always like 30 or less and uh, I mean I just don't wear them I buy them I bought them in, in the past but I just don't wear them because yeah I don't know I just how tall are you 6'3 191 centimeters and you're wearing XL through the loom XL XXL yeah through of the yeah. looms uh, yeah I mean also like other other tees as well but I think the fruit of the loom tag this especially this one is it's my favorite uh, tag uh, for tees nice. I'm wearing, but uh, all yeah. the uh, all the most valuable Marvel shirts right now too. People want those tags, the fruit of the loom. Oh yeah, but yeah, I, I I think so. But yeah, I mean, t-shirts is a whole whole other game, man. Eh? It's crazy. If you see, I, I people like putting price tags on on rap tees of three k and stuff like that. I mean, it's nuts, you know. Uh, what what can I say? I mean, if people pay up, it's it's good, you know. Everyone's everyone is business, and everything is business. And if people pay, it's it's probably worth that amount of money. But uh, it's just silly, in my opinion, because uh, I think it's it's worth build up hype, and sooner or later, it's just. Uh, the quicker the bubble grows, the, the bigger it's, it's, it's going to pop. It's a bubble, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a crazy bubble, and I see lots lots of people. I I'm, I'm I I don't really hate on other people, but I see lots of new guys uh, or younger guys, and they sell T-shirts, and they just uh, they don't they go with the flow, and everybody goes with the same flow, you know, and everybody just uh, bidding up 
are are in bidding wars with each other for t-shirts and stuff like that and i i do i play my part like i I find some stuff and i sell some stuff but i mean i'm not gonna buy a thousand dollar t-shirts and stuff like that man that's that's for other people to do and i you know you've been in this business long enough to know that this business changes all the time you know there was a snapback hype for a long time you know true vintage and denim has always been kind of up and down depending on what's going on um you know things come in and out t-shirts have always been good but they never were this good and it never dictated a whole different market i feel like there's a whole there's the vintage market and then there's like this whole other t-shirt market that's like almost separate but connected yeah there are a lot of people just uh, only just dealing with vintage uh, with the t-shirts nowadays and they call themselves like vintage dealer which is uh, of course everybody it's a free name so everybody can call them whatever they want but it's it's just it's just t-shirts it's a whole uh, game on itself i think yeah yeah i'm all for it i play i play my part big time i'm a lot more man t right there yeah yeah yeah. movie hype um and i i got i got as well uh, many t-shirts i they don't even get online uh, because i just don't have the time i I, i'm doing a lot of uh probably i I just want to do some more wholesaling these days it's just uh it's good it's it's like it's easier work like it yeah Yeah, it's easier work it's it's just uh yeah and and yeah, I mean, I'm a one-man army, you know. If I'm if I ship out like four boxes to Japan, wholesale, and make good money, I I, I do it any every day of the week, you know. Uh, yeah. Give me give me wholesale totally. instead of selling one T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I will say about the T-shirt market is I I say this a lot, but I tell these people who are in the T-shirt market they need to expand their knowledge a bit because you never know when this market is going to burst, and if you don't oh, have anything else to fall back on. If you don't know anything else if you don't know sneakers if you don't know denim if you don't know other areas of vintage you might be just stuck in a market that's dead yeah well that's also like you say it a lot of times already i i, I watched you you say invest in other you know in other areas you have to dive into other uh, things you, you find interesting uh, is it uh, vintage design uh, is it uh, i mean I've, literally literally everything is like business you know if yeah. you just dive into that make uh make it yourself or the get to know how about stuff like other stuff accept yeah, the edu- stuff educate you know. yourself educate yourself and uh, i for example like the whole vintage uh design uh stuff like um yeah, stools or uh, yeah, uh, mid-century yeah. furniture. Yeah, furniture. You know, stuff like that. But, uh, I yeah. think there's a lot to be said for what's going on right now about in you know out of adversity and out of um, necessity comes creativity, right? So the world is changing so crazy right now. Everyone's going online. There's going to be a lot of a lot of stores. Obviously, tons of restaurants and, and entertainment. It's going to go out of business, but also a lot of retail stores even couldn't handle being closed for two months. Right. I'm yeah. seeing it in Vancouver. If the flea markets don't open up, people don't have places to sell. They're going to have to reinvent their businesses. And I think there's going to be some creative ideas coming up because people are going to have to start thinking differently. So yeah, that's, I think that's, I'm going to that, see that. And I think it's, I think it's important to tell the people like, don't be scared to like, yeah, educate yourself in different areas. You don't have to, 
I've said this before too, but you don't have to sell a t-shirt to be in the vintage business. You could, you could take what you've learned and go into designing other things, or you can, um, you can create books about it, or you can, um, do podcasts or video. There's so many other things you can do. That's not directly selling a t-shirt or there's other creative ways people can start to think of to sell stuff because I think that's going to be important too. Yeah. We, we, for example, we don't have any thrift stores here. As you know, like, I mean, getting started with getting started in Canada or in us, it's, it's pretty easy, right? You go to the thrift store, you'll see, you see the kids all the time, just copying each other and just, okay, that's the tag I need to, need to, need to get. Okay. I see the reptiles. Okay. I see this, I see that. Okay. Look, 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 look. Okay. Got one, got one, got one. And then I'm sell and then selling them, you know, that's, that's what they do. And that's, that's good money. And it's, it's, it works. But no, we have no thrift stores. So basically, uh, I don't really find that much good stuff uh, going into sort of uh, flea markets or stuff, stuff like that. It's just, I mean, the made in USA stuff is pretty rare finding, finding here yeah. in, in the wild, you know? So my, my thing was always online or uh, you know, just be, be clever with your, with your sources, you know, it's just, uh, I like to just, uh, yeah, clean out yeah. places. <laughs> so, um, how come there's no thrift there, man? Is that a hole in the market yeah, that needs to I, be filled? Why does nobody collect clothing and sell it in a store? Well, there are like vintage stores, of course, but the thrift stores with the $3 tax, uh, $5 tax, it's just, it's, it's just not, not here, you know? The, we have like the Salvation Army stores, but the um, stuff over there is it's it's like C grade bullshit, like grandma stuff. You know, it's it's just not good. It's not not like not like the U.S. where there yeah. are like lots of Salem tees or uh, just uh, polo and everybody uh, yeah, everything hanging hang them. So if you were to go donate your clothes, you had a bunch of junk you need to get rid of. Where would you donate? Salvation Army. Yeah, we have like, uh, yeah, sort of self salvation army stores, and or you have like you put it in a in, put it in a, uh, uh, put it in a sort of box we have on the, on on the streets. Yeah, collection there, and then it gets it gets sorted as, again, and in the end, also like the good stuff ends up with with uh, with uh, at stores they sell it. Uh, that's I mean when we go into that, it's a whole different uh, world again because it gets. You know, you know I me. Mean, yeah, know no, of course. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, did you, so did, well, did you did you have did you have a second piece to show? Yeah, man, I got this one. Nice. Explain the decade. That's the Nike decade. Yeah. So this is an all black runner with the yeah, white okay. white sole, white swoosh. Just for people that are listening. So, what year is that? Uh, nineteen. Oh, 19, I can't, 19, oh, shit. <laughs> they look super clean. Yeah, they look, they look, they are pretty, pretty clean, yeah. It basically was the, let me see, I, I, I can't remember. And like roughly what year? Yeah, 90s, like uh, 90s. Nice decade. 
I believe like 93 or something. It's hard to see. Like, is it a suede? Yeah, it's suede, yeah. Wow, that's so clean. Just yeah, I had like a couple ones, so I'm just checking. Yeah, 1993. And nice. um, uh, basically, that was the sneaker from the from the cult, you know, the Heaven's Gate cult. The Heaven's Gate cult? Yeah, the he- yeah Heaven's Gate, the, the, the mass murderer. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Room. I read about that shit online. That's crazy. Hold it up again. So they all, so tell us about this cult, man. Yeah, I'm really, man, it's, it's funny because I sold like, literally like I sold like, I think I sold like 15 pairs of these all sizes. Uh, it never really was an issue. It always was known already, but never really got hyped. Then Vice came and make made a uh, documentary, documentary about it, yeah. Yeah, about this whole cult. And Heaven's Gate cult that they had these sneakers on and uh, this mass murder, mass suicide themselves, um, and then Soul Collector and all other uh, blogs. They also wrote an article, and then it got like boom! Everybody needed to have the decades, you know. And uh, yeah, basically, it, it's it's just a shoe that they that the cult Heaven's Gate was was wearing when they. So random. It probably was. They just went to their local Foot Locker and were yeah, like, "We all was. need to buy these shoes." The guy, no, the, actually, the guy. Uh, if I'm, if I remember the story correctly, is the one of the guys uh, from the cult just uh, ordered the these shoes at uh, one shop, just bought them all, at one shop for all the cult members and like, give uh, me every size. I'll take them. Yeah, uh, yeah sort of, sort of. Uh, give me, give me like. Uh, I mean, 50 pairs or something. I don't know. And uh, every every single size, and uh, we we will use them. And then they decided to yeah do the mass suicide. And this shoe will never be, therefore, never be retroed by Nike. So it will be really it's iconic. Which is it's rad because that means it holds the value. Every time something's retroed, it kind of like fucks with the value, right? Yeah, actually, yeah, it it it, it did because, uh, for example, the Nike. Uh, uh, oh shit, man! Nike. <laughs> Tell them these names sometimes. I just forget them, you know. Uh, uh, whoa! Uh, the Skylon, for example, Nike Air Skylon, uh, two. It, it's a really rare run running shoe from the nineties. Really awesome model. Uh, and it got retroed, and you see, like this shoe was worth like six hundred, fair five hundred, seven hundred euro, and yeah. just like shoo, dove down to like uh, I think fifth uh, worth loss of fifty percent minimum or one hundred percent, I think like from six hundred to your three hundred or something because of the retro, because all the the whole I say the whole special feeling around the shoe was just. Um, Law, it's, it's became less, you know. Yeah, just, no, uh, totally. But um, yeah. that's awesome. You have that shoe. It's such a cool looking shoe with such a wicked story. I'm, I'm actually selling them. So I'm what's your price? What's what are those worth? Well, what's what what are stuff worth? What's what are not uh, not had gifts for them? But uh, for me, it's it's I won't sell them for less than. Uh, 1200 or something yeah 1200 
Yeah, I mean Euro. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I, I, I got so much stuff to sell. You know, I just, if not, I just keep them. I, uh, I don't. They don't have to go. Uh, they don't have to go. But like, I have, I had my time with the with the shoe, and I have two kids, and uh, there are other things more important. You know. Than, well, hopefully, somebody yeah. listening to this podcast needs a pair. What size are they? Let's look. Ten and a half. I actually oh, had one guy. Good size. I can rock those, but they're not wearable, right? Uh, yeah, they are. They are wearable without problems. That's the thing. Seriously? They, are, they were wearable. They they were they are wearable without any any problem because this is the uh, a vessel. It's like uh, this material is it's going on for ages. Oh, that's so, so basically, dope. that's the, this is the material you look for in the shoe. <laughs> it's so awesome. fuck a pair of Yeezys. Buy these. Well, Alt killed themselves in them. I never, yeah, I never really was a Jeezy fan, man. Don't if you have started about the hype, I'm not really. No, <laughs> I'm no, not really positive. I'm not into it. I'm not into it either, man. I'm not into this at all, and I really don't want to have anything to do with it as well. And it's it just sucks, man. Yeah. I... So, do you have a third piece or just the two? Uh, I got one. One. This is my favorite shoe. All right. Okay, okay. What's that called? Uh, this is the Devlin from 1989. Devlin, it's called? Yeah, Devlin, yeah. It's got wicked colors, man. I like how that pink like comes up into the like the first lace loop there. It's a good looking yeah, shoe. Yeah, the the shoe is 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 awesome, man. It's yeah, you can see it on on uh on the screens as but if you see like the details that were that gone into the shoe it's 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 pure craftsmanship you know it's just the shoe is from 98 it's just it looks like it was be, was made yesterday so Beautiful. the materials used are like top notch and uh, that was that was Nike that was Nike in the 80s and yeah, probably solid. 70s as well and is that a popular well. model uh, in fin in the European vintage scene, it's it's uh, vintage sneaker scene is it's a popular model, yeah. But it's pretty pretty rare. It's not easy to come. And this colorway is pretty much I know a couple people who have them or or got them from me. I sold a, I sold I think fifteen pairs of of Devlin's in different colorways. But wow. uh, um, yeah, they're not easy to come by. Let, let, let let's put it this way. So is that pair a keeper for you then? Yeah, I'll never sell that pair. I'll, I just, I, I still wear them. Oh, uh, the thing, the, the beauty of this is because uh, this shoe is just uh, wearable forever. So basically the shoe, if you, if you are good for your shoe, you can wear them in 10 so years. So explain again, what's that sole called? Those, those two shoes have the same sole, right? Uh, well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, E V A, Eva. 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 Okay, and um, how many pairs had that sole compared to the other crumbling sole? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really, I can't really, I can't really say. But I know this uh, this sole is is pretty much sort of basic sole. So uh, at that time. You had like the, all the the higher 
higher tier models, they came with different type of souls. So, and at that time it was all fine, you know, because they, it was like marketing and uh, yeah, especially for, for marathon and stuff like that. And the lower T, more lower T shoes came with the Eva, Eva soles. But looking at it now, you can enjoy the these shoes, but the other pairs are not wearable. So at that time it was sort of new invention and all, all really, uh, yeah, really nice. They had like this whole different uh, materials they were using. Yeah, but in the end, like for now, if you look at back at look back to it now, it's uh, you really want to to have the simple shoes with the Eva sole because you can wear them in ten years still. This is a rad episode, man. There's so much good sneaker knowledge dropped in this episode. We haven't, well, I haven't even talked to anybody about sneakers. Well, there are, uh, there are tons of guys who really know more about it than me than me but uh, there are a couple good collectors as well in, uh, in europe really uh, good collectors like uh if you want to follow a couple guys uh blanchy uh blanchy grape it's a spanish guy luis okay. miguel that's also a spanish guy uh sneaker queen from berlin mark overkill uh, quote he has a crazy adidas collection um yeah, I have to shout out to uh, if I if I may, but uh, yeah, of I, course. guys, the guys from from Berlin, from West End Vintage on Instagram, doing a great job as well. That's a really really pure vintage store, by run by two guys who really like are passionate about vintage. You know, these days it's not so common to find uh, guys who really be are busy with vintage or a lot of time already i mean there are a lot of new guys coming in the scene uh, hopping on the hype of selling t-shirts and that's nothing wrong with it but i also i really like the guys who were like are long into finches with a with a passion you know yeah 100%. Just, uh, uh, yeah just uh i think that's uh it shines through and i know i know some people who are very passionate and you can just tell by being around them that, you know, it's not just the money for them into the product. No, it's more of the it's product. The yeah. It never, it never is the money because if you want to make the money, you have to buy, you have to just go and do the hype stuff. You know, I mean, if you're a reseller and you want to make the money, if it's only about the money, you, 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 you try and, and, and buy the bots and just uh, sell the hype stuff. But it's, I mean, vintage is, for me, it's really, it's sort of, it's, it's passion, you know, I, I, uh, I mean, everything around me is vintage, vintage lamps, vintage. <laughs> show us, show us the room again. You got vintage, the Keith, you uh, got the Keith, you got the Keith Herrings behind you. Yeah, that's, yeah, those are the 1990 Playboy uh, Keith Herrings screen prints. So basically that's sort of investment. Yeah. So those are real deal. Those are like valuable pictures. Yeah, around uh, 1K, I think now, one and a half, something like that. Nice. Show yeah. us the rest of the room. Well, it's not really super... Uh... Tidy? <laughs> no, it's not so tidy and it's not uh, really interesting. Now, let me see if I can... This might totally cause drama for the, for the podcast, but we're trying it anyway. 
<laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, the... oh, baby Jays, nice. Leon, that's my favorite movie. Uh, that's also a funny story because uh, Leon, uh, I watched with my dad when it came out in '94. I went, my, I went with my dad uh, to the sneak preview of a movie, and it, it was Leon. So we watched it at 10 o'clock in the, in the morning. So basically, I remember it since as as if it was yesterday. So it was my really good memory with my dad. So Leon. Uh, I mean, now it's, it, it became a cult status movie. I mean, Leon T's and stuff like that, very much sought after. But for me, it really has this uh, memory, you know? I, yeah. I, I saw the, the premiere of, of, of uh, Leon here in Holland. So for me, it, uh, with my dad, when I was, uh, I mean, I was, I'm, I'm 80, I'm 38 now. So I was uh, Amazing, 30, dude. 30, 40 years old, yeah. So, uh, well, same stuff. Here. I gotta watch that. I don't even think I've ever seen that movie. I need to watch it. It's so cool. Teacher Chong, of course. Perfect. Uh, Barca, I like. Uh, I mean, this is a sort of hype thing, but uh, the beer brick. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge uh, Barca fan. So uh, Barcelona f uh, soccer, football. We call nice. it football. So uh, yeah. And uh, of course, the prints from uh, yeah, those are rad. So, did uh, you think up a challenge for the listeners? Uh, so, what the listeners should should do, or like put a time? Uh, yeah, something like that. The listeners should do something that maybe have helped you, challenge them to do something to improve their lives or their business or whatever. Yeah, I was always striving for more. You know, I was always striving for like. Um, uh, have a beautiful car and stuff like that, but in the end, it's, it's, it's not it's not the stuff that makes you happy, you know. I, I think you, I, I think I learned over time that that's, uh, I mean, family and of course, I mean, I have kids, so my kids are they come at, at spot one. But if you don't have kids, I you always uh, just um, remember it's, uh, in my opinion, always good to to see and look around what you what you do have. And not what you don't have because there are always stuff you don't have if you and if you're like in that position you can buy something you want if you have that you always want something else you know if you buy that beautiful bmw bmw you want the you want a ferrari you know if you, are, when, if you have a ferrari you want a koenigsegg so i mean i just always try to remember just to live in the here and now and just look around you see what position you're in and uh yeah that that you can feel fortunate you you, yeah. you are in a position you can do your you live your uh, hobby or i mean your your life you know or your in, yeah just do your and yeah so essentially be grateful like you said and grateful and you, if you always are striving for the next thing you never be happy with what you have and it's true because yeah, a lot of people it. say, I'm going to be happy when I have the house. I'm going to be happy when I that's, have the Ferrari. Not true. Yeah. Not true. It's you not can't true. be happy I mean, now. I always was, I always was like that as well because uh, I mean, I mean, I'm 38 now, but uh, when I was in my twenties, I still in my twenties, I, 
I was always like, yeah, I have to have this uh, crazy company car or have this really crazy uh, Audi or whatever, you know. And it's all, I mean, it's always good to have goals. That's not, that's not, not the point. But in the end, if, if it doesn't really make you happy, I don't think so, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not the key to, to life to, to, uh, to, make it, to make you happy. And I think something is to be said for becoming in love with the process. So if you want the Ferrari, like you should be stoked on the, like fall in love with the process of getting there. So you're happy the whole time getting to have that, not just when you have it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a mindset, you know, just, uh, there's nothing wrong with really striving for new things and for, uh, making your position better or your your family, uh, finding your family a better home or, or whatever, you know, uh, or holiday or whatever it is. That's always a good thing, but also be happy with what you have and what you already have, what you already have conquered and what you already have done. Uh, otherwise you'll just always stay, um, looking in the, in the future and not really in the here and now. So I, I think that's a, that's a good wise. Uh... Yeah, I like it. <laughs> celebrate the wins. Be grateful. Old, old man's old man's uh, thing, I think. I guess, but uh, no, not really. But just joking. true. I mean, you and me are similar. I turned forty this summer, man. Well. Okay, so I think that's a good place to end it. So, do you have any shout outs or last words you want to leave with the guests? Uh, the guys in Holland uh, from our uh, our group. The thought group is also really a, it's a group of uh, on WhatsApp with with older sneaker guys nice. already turned 40 or around 40 years old. We talk about sneakers and uh, we bitch about new stuff and stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a nice melting pot of different, uh, different people with different interests, but uh, they, uh, yeah, just a group of guys just, uh, yeah, still enjoying. Uh, you share sneakers. the commonality of the love of sneakers. Yeah, that's cool. So. Uh, okay, man, Dennis, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. We finally connected. I'm sorry for my English. It was not really. Uh, no, it's good. Uh, it's good. Super level, but. Uh, Expand yeah. people's horizons on accents here on the show, on the Vintage okay. and Stuff podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. About vintage, I can like talk like crazy um, amount of hours <laughs> you know yeah, that right i know we'll have we'll have you on again thank you everyone for tuning in i always appreciate it it blows my mind how many people listen to this if you like this episode please go share it also i have now started a patreon account where you can get extra exclusive content there is extra content from dennis on this episode that i'll be posting there that you can only see there i have couple different tiers of membership you can get there you can get access to me you can get business mentorship through there lots of great stuff just go click the link down below check my patreon if you like what i do you like the content i put out please support if you don't feel like you want to support that's cool too i'm going to keep putting out content love you guys see you on the next one